Amen. I'm going to talk to you today about a new series entitled That You May Believe. I'm going to walk with us through the Gospel of John. And so we're going to be in John chapter 1 today. And today I want to talk to you about coming alive and seeing God. Coming alive and seeing God. Gandhi, the famous Hindu leader, some 15 years before his death, he wrote this. He said, I tell you in all humility that Hinduism, as I know it, entirely satisfies my soul. It fills my whole being. And he said that he found a solace in the Hindu writings that he didn't even find in Jesus' sermon on the mount. But then comes to his death, just, his, uh, just before his death, he then wrote this. He said, my days are numbered. I am not likely to live very long, perhaps a year, maybe a little more. For the first time in 50 years, I find myself in the slow of despond. All about me is darkness, and I am praying for light. Without God, there is only death and darkness, because God is life and God is light. Amen? Amen. And if you don't have God, you don't have life. And if you don't have God, you don't have light. And uh, all around the world, people, naturally, we don't see God. It's part of the fall that we've encountered since the garden in Genesis. We don't naturally see him. We don't naturally feel him. And that's because of our sinful state. We don't see his moving around us. We're blind to the true reality of who he is. And we're dead to his living presence. And so for millions today, that darkness is simply that their life is denying the reality of God. There's a darkness over the entire world that says that God, even if we say it with our our, our mouths, even if we try to attend religious services and any religion, they're dead. On the inside, we are dead to the reality of God's living presence. And if we are honest here today, even those of us who've grown up in the Bible Belt or grown up in church, you have been through seasons where you felt like, where is God? That hits, there is a dark place maybe you went through in your life. Maybe you've been through depression or loss or a time where you walked away from the Lord and it would be a dark period in your life. Or maybe there are times that you wonder if you even feel him anymore. Maybe you've even come to church for years and it's been some time since you've actually felt something on the inside, something tangible, some presence uh, within. So who is God? Where is he? Does he love me? How can I know him? These are innate human questions that are plaguing our soul all across the world. And so I want to be honest. I want us to be honest together this morning is that how real is God to you? Okay, let's just really be honest. We come to church, we, we go, we do things, we maybe give to charity, maybe we serve in our community. But is God really, really real to you? Is he just some social construct? Is he just some religion? Is he just something that you believe in with your mind? Is he something you believe in with your logic? Is he something that you believe in because your parents told you? Or you think it's the best way to live? Uh, or that you don't believe in the other religions? All of those uh, may be good things, but is he really real? Do you walk around each week with an awareness that there is a living, shining God on the inside of you and all around you? How, how many people say, hey, I've experienced that in my life before? Amen? Who is he? Where is he? Does he love me? And how can I know him? 
How evident is God in your daily life? And do you have an awareness of God that maybe others do not have? That's who we're supposed to be as the church. Do we have an awareness of God that others do not have? So in the midst of death and darkness, we want to talk about coming alive and seeing God. Let's look with me in John chapter 1, verse 1. If you're there, somebody say, Amen. Amen. Okay, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. Somebody say, in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life. Everybody say life. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Look in verse 9. And he says, There was a true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came into his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh, but of the will of man, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, this is he who I've said. He who comes after me is at a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received. And grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. And no one has seen God at any time. But the only begotten God. Who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. Amen. John uh, the Apostle wrote this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's writing in a later time in the first century. Uh, all around the world, the gospel has been transmitted. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the first three, we call them the synoptic gospels because they're synonymous, they're similar. The churches had these gospels and had this story of Jesus. And it was being going around word of mouth, and they would copy the gospel of Mark and send it to another church, and another body would gospel the, uh, copy the gospel of Matthew and send it to another church. But John writes in his later years, and he gives probably one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture right there, this very poetic imagery. And he doesn't talk about the three wise men, and he doesn't talk about the virgin birth, and he doesn't bring us that common story that maybe we all knew, but he takes us back to the beginning. And he wants to tell his audience and you and me something about who God is. Where is God? Who is he? Does he love me? Is he aware of my life? What is he willing to do for me? And I want to look at this this morning, and maybe it's a little bit more teaching today, but he is using these cosmic terms like space and time and divine. He uses words like life and darkness and belief and truth. And he uses one specific word called logos, which is the Greek word, for the word. So he says, when the beginning was the word, he says, in the beginning was the logos. I'm going to give you, talk to you about three words in this passage, and then we're going to sum it up. But the three words, they all start with an L. They are logos, life, and light. Okay? Logos, life, and light. 
And let's talk about this vivid picture uh, that he paints here today. He starts with those famous words, in the beginning. What does that make you think of? Not a Star Wars movie, you know, but in the beginning. It goes back to Genesis. It's in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And it was all formless and void. But yet there was a God. His spirit was hovering over the surface of the deep. And then God said, let there be light. And boom, there was light. And God saw that it was good, right? Remember those, that epic story of Genesis. And John brings us back to that. He says, this logos, this word, he was God And he was with God. So he is united with him, but yet he is also distinct. And so in Genesis, we have the Father, we have the Word, the Logos, and we have the Spirit of God. It's all God. They're all, he is God. There is only one God. But he says, there's a distinction here about the Word of God. Think about it. What does your Word do? If I say, you know, piano, be moved. Nothing happens. My words are, are powerless. I mean, we can affect change, you know, by telling people things. But can my word actually do anything? He says, this word was the living and spoken word of God. He takes us back to Genesis and he thinks about the empty cosmos. It's a time before time when Jesus was God and was with God, united yet distinct. And he says in Genesis, it says God, which is the word there in, uh, for God and God in the beginning, created the heavens and the earth. The word there in the Hebrew is Elohim, which is a plural term. And it says, let us make man in our image, right? And he's talking about the word that God and his word said, let, God, let us make man in our image. And so John thinks about this and he wants you to see Jesus, not just this baby in a manger, not just this thing that was in you know, an animal trough and came. And that's a wonderful story. But John says, I want you to know it just didn't start there. Let me take you back to how it really began. There was the word that in the middle of a, of a dark cosmos spoke. And he said, uh, I think about Colossians chapter one, it says this, where it says, for by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. I love that because John's saying there is no existence of any matter, of anything, this pulpit, these bricks, those trees, the birds, the people, it is all existing because God willed it to be. And it is all still here because God is still willing it to be. In him is all things and through him, everything is held together. You can't get away from God. He's everywhere. This world exists because he imagines it to be, because he speaks it to be. And we in our rebellion and in our darkness and our death all around, and we think we've got this whole world figured out. And John says there is a living, breathing word of God that makes this life be so. And that word has been here since the beginning. And, and whether think about this, astronomers say that the Milky Way, you know, our galaxy, if you go up in the, in the night sky in Somerville, Louisiana, sometimes you can see all those stars just kind of in a cluster. That's the tail of the Milky Way. Sometimes you can see it. Uh, the Milky Way is said to have 100 billion stars. Can you imagine? 100, we're just one star. Our sun is one star of 100 billion 
just in our galaxy. Now, our galaxy is one of hundreds of billions in the known universe, each with billions of untold numbers of stars. Can you imagine? And he said, let it be. And it was so. I mean, this is the God that you and I believe in and serve. And he says, uh, so he helps us to see that this is a creating God. He's an upholder God. He's an eternal God. He's all present. He's all knowing. He's the all powerful Logos, the word. And then he says something powerful. He says, and this Logos dwelt among us. He left his abode and he came as a man and he became flesh. That's the miracle of God. He's made a home here. And he says, and though no one had ever seen this God, he, the word of God, the Logos, has explained him. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us, made a home among us, made a residence among us. And he says, this is who Jesus really is. He's not just some guy up on a, on a steeple somewhere. He's not just some religious service. He's not just some guy we sing about in a hymn book. He's not some guy in a history book. He is the living, alive, creating, sustaining, upholding word of God who came and made a home in the midst of our chaos. And he says, whereas you had the Old Testament before since that fall that has described to you your sin and it showed you his holiness God had been veiled. You couldn't get closer to God even if you wanted to. No one could see him or understand him. All we had was rules. We had no relationship. Even Moses couldn't look at God and live. And even when Moses saw God, he had to veil his face so that you couldn't see Moses' face. And he says, and that same God that has been veiled since the beginning of time has now been unveiled through his son, Jesus Christ. If you want to know who God is, you got to know Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 says, Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Can you imagine the unknown, formless God who spoke, who was spirit, who created that billion stars inside of a billion galaxies, each with billions of stars, and he says, that creating, sustaining, upholding word of God came and made himself of no reputation, of nothing. Why? So that you would know this. You are not alone. You're not alone. In a day of darkness and death and disease, we can ask ourselves, where is God? Does he care? Has he even shown up on, in our life? Does he, is he even invested in his creation? Does he even know what's going on in my life? And you can go through seasons and times and trials where the devil lies to you and your emotions lie to you and your feelings lie to you. But John brings us back to the truth that says, I don't care what you feel or what you don't see or what you think you see. There is a God who has made it so plain and so clear that he is wanting you to know you are not alone. He's come and made a home with you. So what is God like 
Is he interested in my life? How can I know him? You're not alone. Logos. Number two is, is life. Life. It was the Logos that gave life to matter. Science is going to tell you today that somehow matter sparked and, and it was a big bang and, and uh, then things happened in the primordial ooze. There was electricity that happened with the right amino acids that came and in the right moment at the right time when the sun was a certain distance away from the earth and the earth had finally tilted to its axis and there was the right amount of water that was in the vapor of the, of the world and then when that lightning happened to hit that that primordial ooze and all the amino acids came together. Then finally, life came from matter. Okay, right? That's not what the Bible says. It says that matter came from life. That life has existed forever because God is life. And outside of God, there is only death. And there is no matter on this earth that can create life. Life must create Life and God is life. I've never seen any spontaneous frogs just jumping up out of my grass because somehow or another two blades of grass met when the electricity and the water and the amino. I mean, come on, let's just be real this morning. Matter doesn't make life, only God makes life. He says, God is life. He's a living person. He's not a human person, but he's a divine person. When he spoke, All that came to be was alive with his life. The life that exists today is alive because God exists and God is alive. And it says this logos, this word is the source of life. He gave life to creation in Genesis. And John wants you to know this. Just like that logos in Genesis chapter one spoke it. And it was so, and life came from him, and life entered into matter. He says, now that Logos has come back to earth, and now he's wanting to give new life. He wants to give new life. You and I have been dead to God since the fall. Sin, sickness, the curse has brought the grave to be a reality. We were separated and excluded from God. Enemies hostile to the, to the God that we knew. And he says, there has been death has reigned. Paul says in Romans 5, death has reigned to Adam. But now that we have a new Adam, a new Christ, he has come. And that you might have life, life, real life tangible, living, breathing God life inside of you. Not the life that has been dead and the world thinks is true living. If I can go have a party and have a fun time and just live it up a little, live and eat and drink tomorrow we die. That was what Rome said. But he says, no, I have come that you may have that divine life. That same life that was there at the beginning that said, I am alive in you. And when God breathed, he made Adam a living person, the life that came from the very breath of God. Jesus has come back today again. In John 1, he says, this God came to give life again to those who would believe in his name. He's life. He's coming. He's still creating. Aren't you glad God is still creating today new life? He's not done creating new life. And so he's brought us from death to life, more than natural life. He's giving spiritual life. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life 
He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. We are all spiritually dead if we are apart from Christ. But if we have Him, the Bible says in 1 John 5, God gave us eternal life, and this is the life in His Son. That whoever has the Son has life. Whoever has not the Son does not have life. It's interesting that the Word of God had to be born of flesh so that you could be born of spirit. The Word of God, who is spirit, had to be born of the flesh and was willing to do so, to leave His abode, to leave His divine privileges and leave it all there to humble Himself make of no reputation, and taste death for us all. He was willing to come and be flesh and be born of a virgin and die so that you might be born of spirit and live. That's good stuff right there. That you might be born of spirit and live. He came to give you abundant life so you can walk in God's will. And so what does that tell me? I am loved. I'm not alone, and I'm loved. That God would be so willing to bear my infirmity, to bear my death, to bear my separation from his own father, from his own self, and that he would then taste death death for us all, that I might live. And what happens when that new life comes in me? I get adopted into his family. He says that he has then given them the right, the right not to just uh, do whatever you want in life and not the right that you can claim you're all that. He says, no, the right to be children of God. You have a plan. He has a plan. He has a purpose for you that you're not alone and that you are loved. So where is God? Is he invested in creation? Where is he? Do you sense him? Do you see him? You can come alive and see God today in the midst of death and darkness all around because you're not alone and you are loved. The last word is light. They're putting in fiber optic cables. You know this in Gina right now? And uh, I, I looked into this, what it really means. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. But there's something about fiber optics. It is that there is light transmitting through these very thin fibers, infrared light. And that light is actually transmitting. Like when you make a phone call, your voice is, I don't get it, but your voice is going through light and getting to the other side. Or that internet is going through that infrared light at the speed of light and coming out on the other side. doesn't make any sense to me. But what I know is really cool is that when God said, let there be light, there was light. And so that combination of the word transmitting on light just is amazing that here we are in, in Gina, Louisiana, we're getting fiber optic cables and through light, words are going under the ground to different people. And this is God. In the very beginning, God said, let there be light. He, did, he had fiber optics long before anybody else, right? I mean, he, he is God. He said, let there be light. And light was transmitted from his word into existence. That's amazing. And he says, uh, this logos 
in the cosmos lit up the darkness. But now today, when this Logos came, he has lit up the dark soul of men. That spoken word of God came to a dead man who could not see him, who could not comprehend him because they were blinded by their own sin, ignorant and lost in the darkness, held under Satan's power. And God said, just like he did in Genesis 1, Jesus comes to the earth again and he says, let there be light. And when the kingdom of God came from town to town to town, Jesus said, for this purpose I have come to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the kingdom of heaven at his hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Demons began to flee. Sickness began to be healed. People began to get saved. The hungry began to get filled with righteousness. The hopeless got filled with hope because light had been shining in the darkness. Even in the Bible, it says that in in the gospels that look at the place of the Gentiles, To you, the land of Gentiles, the place of Galilee, to you, a light will shine. That's Jesus. He is the Logos. He is the life and he is the light of men. He illuminates the darkened holes of our corners of our society. Those that are been in those places of addiction or depression or loneliness or lot. You know what darkness is. You know what it's like to feel alone and separated from God. You know what it's like when people have turned their back on you and the devil is there whispering in your ears, you're nothing, nobody cares for you, you've got no purpose in life, you might as well just end it now. Nobody loves you, there's nobody here for you. You are completely, absolutely alone. And what is John saying here? He says, no, you're not alone. The Logos has come. He has brought life because you are loved. And now he has brought light because there is a way back to God. He's illuminated that path. Colossians 1.13 says, For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So when you believe now, This crazy story. Now, for me, it's easier to believe this crazy story than that whole primordial ooze story, by the way. But if you don't, that's okay. I'm praying for you. But he says this story, when you believe it, that he is who he says he is. In John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When you believe You begin to see him. John said, you know, guys, no one has ever looked at God at any time. No one's ever been able to see God. But when he came, when Jesus came, we beheld him for the first time. We saw his glory, the fullness of God's tangible manifest. That's what glory means. The full weight of God's presence. Just like gold, we measure gold by weight. Glory is the weight, the immense tangibleness of God's presence. And he says, we beheld his glory. We beheld the manifest, important, powerful presence of God. When Jesus came to the world, he says, you're not alone. I've come because you are loved and because I have found a way. I'm the way for you to get back to a living, loving, shining relationship with your heavenly Father. You are loved. You are not alone. You have a way. 
Christ has given you and I a way to come alive and see God. The incarnate God has fully revealed his character, one person said, so that the one who has seen him has seen the Father. How can I know him? You can know Jesus. You know, for each one of us, I'm challenging you in the next hour, day, month, year, to have a true awareness of God. Not just a statement of faith, not just a statement of opinion or doctrine or a head understanding or a rational argument or a logical choice, but even for the best Christians of us who've been with the Lord the longest, to walk through your day and have those moments of of calm come over you that says, God is with me. I am loved. And there is access for me any moment of any day into the fullness of his presence. That we should walk around this world with such an awareness, such a confidence, such a faith that God has come in the flesh. That there is hope, there is life, that it's not all darkness and death and disease for us as believers. Amen. Come on, we have a hope. We have a hope in Jesus Christ. We have faith on which we stand. I don't approach death anymore like we used to. I don't approach disease anymore like we used to. I don't come into the darkness and when the mental things come over my head or the loneliness begins to crowd you or people begin to lie and slander and say all things about you or the economy fails or viruses take over the world. I have a God that says you're not alone. You're loved. There's a way back to God. Amen. In the midst of death and darkness, there is life and light. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Worship team, would you come? We want to pray today. If you do not know Jesus, you have not met God. If it's been some time since you've had a connection with him, if he's not shining on you, if you don't sense his presence You can, the Bible says we can repent, which is to turn from our sin and turn from our own way of living and turn to him. Give up and surrender your life to the Lord and he's going to make your path straight. He's going to fill you with good things. He's going to satisfy your soul. He's going to save you from sin. He's going to wipe away condemnation and shame from your life. He's going to give you access into the loving presence, the tangible presence of His Holy Spirit. He's going to do great things in your life that you could not even believe to imagine. It's simply saying yes to Jesus and no to self. Yes to Jesus. That's something you can do right now in your seat, right where you are, and say, God, I give up control of my life. I believe that you came. I believe that you love me. I believe that you have a plan for my life. I believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on a cross for my sin, that he bore my suffering, my sickness, and my death. He nailed it to the cross. He canceled all the things that were against me. He triumphed on that cross over the devil, over death, over sin, over disease. He killed that thing in that tomb and by the power of the Holy Spirit, since it was impossible access for death to hold him in its power, he got up on a third day, he rose and is seated today at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for the saints. And he is coming one more time 
to take us all home with him. That is the God you can give your life to. That is the God you can surrender. That's the God you can feel every single day when you wake up on a dark, deathly day and say, I am loved. I am not alone. There is a path to the presence of God right now for me. Whether you've been saved your whole life, you've been in church your whole life, you have access every day to that God. You don't have to feel alone or isolated, abandoned. You don't have to deal with depression. You don't have to go through those times any longer. Do we experience that? Yes. But you don't go through it alone. You don't go through it in darkness. You go through it with the light and the life of God in the midst of you. So today I'm going to ask each one of us just to surrender to the tangible presence of God. Make Him real in your life today. Let Him be real. Go through your week with God being so real. Not just in your head, not just in your religion, not just in your logic, but in your spirit. Say, God, I know you're there. Jesus, you're for me. I surrender my life to you. Holy Spirit, fill me in this moment. I'm going to ask you just all across this place, we just begin to pray with me that for our church and our community, God becomes so real. And if you need to give your life to the Lord, we'll be here to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything at all, our elders will be available here in the front. And you want to make that commitment to Jesus Christ, I invite you to come and just kneel down and find a place to pray. If you're going through loneliness or loss or dark places, you need someone to pray with you, just come kneel down and find a place to pray. We'll come beside you and, and pray for you.